Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media. What's the 411? You're tuned in to 411 Teen, a work weekly program for teens, families, and other interested folks. 411 Teen provides a forum to examine and discuss various issues and events that confront, intersect, and sometimes interrupt our daily lives. Alzheimer's disease is a progressive neurological disorder primarily affecting the elderly. So often we hear it's associated with memory loss and aging. The real question is, what is Alzheimer's disease? We know it's progressive. We know it's a brain disorder. It slowly destroys memory and thinking skills and eventually the ability to carry out simple tasks. One may struggle to find the right words and have vision or spatial issues or experience impaired reasoning or judgment. Rebecca Shop, Ph.D., is a widely published author, editor, and academic in the fields of education, philosophy, religion, and feminism. She served as the first female chancellor of the University of Denver. She was president of Swarthmore College and Colgate University, and the list goes on. She was dean at Yale University, provost and executive um, vice president for academic affairs at Emory University. She is an advocate for Alzheimer's and is working to raise awareness about the disease and possible treatments, working with the National Alzheimer's Association and Mortgage Family Foundation. John Trombetta has been the executive director of Alzheimer's Project in Tallahassee since 2020. The Alzheimer's Project, a nonprofit organization, provides support and assistance to persons with memory disorders and their caregivers across the Big Bend area. It provides respite services, support groups, caregiver tools, counseling. I know the early signs of Alzheimer's can be subtle and vary from person to person, but Dr. Rebecca, I want you and John to talk about what's happening with the early signs of Alzheimer's. For some, I know it can be memory, and can we talk about the early signs? So I'll start with you, Dr. Rebecca. Would you share your early signs or symptoms? You know, it's such a good question because normally we do associate Alzheimer's with simply memory loss at first. Mm -hmm. But many of us don't experience that at first. Um, So I was busy living the life of chancellor, working with college kids, having a great time. And And I started sleeping. I'd never been a great sleeper, but I was going from four hours a night to all of a sudden nine hours a night. I started not liking to go out to big social events. And I got lost on my way to my doctors. So things like uh, getting lost, social engagement, wanting to withdraw a little bit, sleep changes in sleep pattern, a big sign. Now, you know, everyone is different. And the loss of memory 
or just forgetting or being confused can easily be a sign. But I think the most important thing is any big change in normal behavior can be a sign that there's some kind of cognitive issue. Might not be, might just be aging, Mm -hmm. but it's important to go get a screening. John, at what point um, does the Alzheimer's Project become involved? Are you involved at the very early stages? And what resources or services do you have available at that point? Well, currently, currently we um, we do uh, you know, even before diagnosis mm-hmm. or at diagnosis or when you just when you think there might be something going on, uh, we can be involved. Um, right now, one of the resources that we offer is an early stage group that just kind of you know almost does what we're doing here today and talks about what is Alzheimer's and and what to expect as much as we can you know tell because as as Dr. Rebecca mentioned everyone experiences it differently. Um, but there are some things that, you know, you want to know and, uh, the earlier, the better, because that person with the diagnosis, uh, and our early, early stage group is called project connect. It's with the person with the diagnosis and their caregiver. So they can really Mm. put a care plan together for those later stages when the, the person with the diagnosis, um, may, not have the ability to communicate as well or uh, may, you know, their, their cognitive abilities have gotten to the point where, um, you know, they, they can't be counted on to, to make some of those crucial decisions. So you go ahead and you make that plan. And so that's kind of where we get involved. Um, we are moving towards doing memory screenings, but we also have a great resource here in town, the Tallahassee memory, uh, Memorial memory disorder clinic um, that, uh, that provides those. So, We've got a good kind of core group in town in Tallahassee and in the area here uh, to help kind of do that early diagnosis and and to at least lay down benchmarks so that people can can monitor that cognitive decline. Okay, Dr. Rebecca, um, share with us your diagnosis. I mean, what is a thorough assessment? Or evaluation. What is it composed of? Well, if one is is wondering where they are and what they need to do, what should they anticipate or expect um, in a thorough assessment? Well, uh, ideally speaking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you go to your primary care physician, and your fi- primary care physician will give you a kind of mini cognitive exam. But as uh, John just said, it may not be your primary care physician. More and more places are starting to offer these. Um, Kia, which is the Nobel Institute for Healthy Aging, a group in Denver offers these. So you don't have to wait six months to get a get a appointment. Dependent upon what that uh, memory mini mental exam shows, uh, your physician or the screening center could refer you to get more memory testing. So I'm in a system insurance system called Kaiser. So I went to the Kaiser Memory Care Center and had about a three hour a visit with social workers, a little bit longer 
cognitive exam. Uh, and then they referred me to do uh, kind of an MRI, you know, a, mm -hmm. a scan of the brain. And uh, in my case, they couldn't quite figure it out because, you know, I kept scoring really high. I'm good at taking tests. After all, I was an <laughs> academic. Uh, but I also failed some of the parts of it. So they sent me out for a longer uh six-hour exam. I think sometimes it's four hours. But this is an exam which tests all sorts of aspects of your visualization ability, your understanding, your comprehension, your memory, um, your uh, sense of time. It really is a fabulous exam. Based on that, they sent me to a PET scan. Now, if I lived in certain big urban areas, it would be uh, what they call an amyloid PET scan. Mm -hmm. But my Denver area doesn't have one, so it was a different type of PET scan. But still, it's a pretty in good indication. They could also send you for a lumbar puncture. Um, uh, done well, uh, these aren't too painful, and they are very definitive. So it's a little bit of a process about kind of the specialist or the doctors uh, seeing how you're behaving, taking some written or computer tests, and then, you know, some more scientific exams. So now it takes on average in my area of Colorado three to four months to get through these exams. But groundbreaking news is that soon we will have a blood biomarker exam. And this will probably be in a year or two. John, you mm. may have better information. And this blood biomarker exam, which can happen at the same time your annual blood work happens, has, they're saying, they're estimating about a 90% definitive proof. Wow. Now, again, you may go through more testing, but that is groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Because what I went through and what many go through is very hard for large portions of our population. Someone in a rural area, mm -hmm. someone in a lower income area living in a lower may find it difficult to gain access. The blood biomarkers will be transformative because it's going to expand accessibility and uh shorten the time for diagnosis. And as John indicated, the earlier you can get diagnosed, mm -hmm. the better it is. The medications can be applied, lifestyle changes can occur, and you have a much greater chance of delaying the progress of the disease. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, uh, Dr. Schaff, because uh, in fact, there's a, a, a bill in the legislature uh, in Florida legislature uh, to have insurance cover those biomarker testings um, because we're seeing it, you know, in, in, in many areas where just that knowledge ahead of time can help, you know, and, and so much of the, uh, the medicines and all the, 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 the research in Alzheimer's that has come has been slowing the process down. Um, and so obviously the earlier you can, you can, you can start down, uh, those tracks, the better off you are, and those biomarkers are going to be a big help. And and the access to it is is you know removing whatever barriers we can, because something we face here in our rural areas, 
is just the acknowledgement and acceptance that something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, something that's, that, you know, not right. And there's cognitive decline there. Um, and so something like that, uh, you know, if you think about it, I almost not, uh, uh, you know, I think about how far breast cancer has come with people being able to determine whether they've got the, the gene or they've got, you know, some of those indicators ahead of time that they can make some decisions before, you know, you're eye to eye with your physician who's giving you, you know, news that you may, you, you could have already known. Okay. I'll ask you to hold your thoughts. We, this is that time when I said I was going to have to interrupt you, but it worked out perfectly. So I didn't have to interrupt either one of you. You are tuned in to 411 Team, and this hour we are looking at Alzheimer's. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll get right back at you. Just tuning in, the program is 411 Team. This hour, we are looking at Alzheimer's. A special thank you to Dr. Rebecca and John for doing this. You know, one of the uh, teen panelists mentioned that their grand, I think it was one of their grandparents was experiencing this and was really very, very concerned about it. So that was one of the, the impetus for us doing this program so that they could have more information just about what to anticipate and what is is really going on. Um, Alzheimer's at the early stage can include, you know, getting lost, which I think you mentioned, Dr. Rebecca, uh, repeating questions, and that was one of the symptoms that uh, one of the students mentioned, and some change in personality and behavior. What strategies do you have, Dr. Rebecca and John, to, that you could share in coping with some of these early stages? Well, the first thing I would say about coping is, um, you know, I really appreciate when people treat me with dignity and respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could repeat questions. Um, I may tell stories um, too many times, uh, whatever, but I'm still me. And I think that's the first thing. And it's important to mention this because many times when uh, people suspect you have Alzheimer's or you tell them you have Alzheimer's, they talk past you. Mm-hmm. Can't tell you the number of times people just talk to my husband or my son who's 47 and he he helps me, mm-hmm. he drives me and things. So I think that's uh, extremely important. Um, I think engaging, finding out what the person likes to do. So I took a painting after I, I was diagnosed because my doctor told me it would be good to be engaged. And so my son uh, took a painting with me. Um, And my sister took up painting with me. And we all paint different things. But Mm -hmm. when we paint together, I am so happy. So I think, you know, if you want to summarize it, try to meet the person where they're at. It's okay to ask questions. I don't, I love it when somebody says, how are you feeling today? 
how are things going, any changes. I, I'm very open to that. But I re what I really want is people to treat me with dignity and respect and to do things with me, paint with me, take me out to lunch, go on walks with me, uh, watch a movie with me. Just enjoy time with me. Don't be scared of me. John, did you have any comments? Yeah, that's, that's I mean, we're so lucky to be able to get Dr. Schaub's uh, perspective here. But that's what we do in our respite rooms is it's about, you know, the dignity piece of it and, you know, engaging our clients in art therapies and music therapy and sing-alongs and however we can um, to, to create a social atmosphere because the isolation uh, really exacerbates things. Um, you know, when you think about, uh, you know, uh, just uh, a couple different scenarios, it was a commercial that was airing during Christmas time that um, uh, Alzheimer's Association and, uh, you know, General Motors put together um, kind of depicting um, uh, an elderly woman, uh, presumably with, you know, Alzheimer's as they kind of play out the commercial. And, you know, she was kind of sitting off by herself while everybody else was congregating and the family was, was you know, the kids were running around and the family was congregating in the kitchen and she was just kind of off by herself. And, and that's, you know, historically been so much the thing that you didn't want to agitate someone uh, that was uh, living with Alzheimer's and you didn't just want, you didn't want to put them in crisis. You didn't want to, you want to upset the balance of anything. And so everybody's kind of walking on eggshells mm -hmm. and we find out that if you engage them and, and, you know, give them that stimulation and, and, and kind of figure out how to engage them by painting with them or by going on walks with them or by driving them around, you know, and, and, and going to lunch and, and finding those settings where, uh, where it's enjoyable and it's and 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 they're present, um, and it's not you know not putting them in crisis. Uh, those are you know that's that's where you want to be, and 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 that's that's it can be a tough ask, especially you know when you talk about you know this show being four one one teen. Um, it, it's especially tough for kids because uh -huh. you, yes. you you might be in a sandwich generation situation there where you know mom and dad are, are you know have 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 a full load. They've got zero patience left for anything to go wrong. And as I experienced in, in, in my childhood, you know, just don't, ups, don't, don't get near grandpa. You might upset him. And, mm -hmm. you know, because that crisis turns into a full-blown family situation and, and, you know, it really upsets the apple cart. And, and, you know, I think about how long ago that was and where we are now and how our lives are rooted in routine and process and, you know, very little appetite is going off course because everything's on schedule right mm -hmm. um and so you know by keeping those uh figuring out how to engage that person it makes the walking on eggshells go away and it keeps everybody engaged so that your teenagers and your parents and you know and and the, the aunts uncles and cousins everyone kind of knows um you know that everything's okay if you if, if you just kind of keep yourself in these boundaries. It makes the quality of life and the dignity of that person living with the disease so much better. You know, one question that everybody has is what's the cause? Why is it, you know, what causes this mysterious <laughs> condition? Why we know it's, it's, it's a mix 
of things. It's the genetics, it's environment, and it's lifestyle. I often say it's sort of like a, a recipe with several different kinds of ingredients. You know, you have a little pinch of, of genetics and a dash of an environment and a sprinkle of lifestyle factors. Um, and the outcome really depends on the combinations. Um, is there any comments that you all would like to make about the etiology or the cause of, of Alzheimer's? Well, I'll jump in since I've been going first. You know, I, I think uh, the scientist would love to know what mm -hmm. causes it. But as you suggest, there are so many factors. And we don't even know still if there's just one type of Alzheimer's. I recently read that one scientist has done kind of a five different types. Mm -hmm. Who knows? This is a this is a disease we know uh, comes with some changes in the brain. We know what those changes are, and then uh, changes in behavior. And eventually, we'll have tailorized medicine. I think you know mm -hmm. we'll have. I mean, there are new medications on the market, just two right now, that are uh, delaying the progress or delaying this disease. Mm -hmm. And they're very promising. And there's so many in the pipeline. And there's even, even research being done on a vaccine uh, for this disease. So we're really, we're at an exciting time for the understanding and for the treatment of this disease. But no one has uh, one key. But I want to tell you what I think didn't help mine. And that was stress. Mm -hmm. I never learned to manage. I, I was in very high stress jobs. I worked out. That was good. But we know that stress, um, well, you know that teens and mm -hmm. family members, you know what stress does. It creates anxiety. It creates inflammation. So you can't avoid stress completely, but you can learn to manage it. Mm. And actually, teens, I would say, learn to manage your stress now. Um, I did a bad job of that. And I think that probably did not did contribute to to the uh, onset of my Alzheimer's. I can't say that I wouldn't have gotten Alzheimer's, but I might have gotten it at 85 or 90. Mm -hmm. The second thing was sleep. We know that sleep also is so important. And we have a society that celebrates not sleeping. Oh, I used to boast. <laughs> I only slept four hours a night. Yeah. What a strong person I am. But sleep is so important. So everybody needs to sleep eight or nine hours um, or seven yeah. hours a night. Sleep. <laughs> well, and, and that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, it's it, it lifestyle, you know, just like when I, when I speak to groups, you know, just like every other thing, health, health related, you know, eating right, getting sleep, uh, you know, and, and, and paying attention um, to your lifestyle is, is a big factor, but then, you know, our, our culture seems you know, counter to that as, as Dr. Shop mentioned, because, you know, we, uh, we're, we're, we're going all the time and, and we've got screens in our faces and we've got, you know, pack in more, more things into our day, uh, in order to accomplish it, whatever it is we're, we're setting out to accomplish. And so, you know, this, our, our culture can be kind of counterproductive to, uh, to, to some of these, uh, you know, lifestyles that we're uh, 
trying to trying to put out there. But yeah, it's the sleep and uh, e- eating right, and you know, all all that to say, the the genetic piece of that is is where some of this comes from as well. And uh, you know, I couldn't, I, I I can't speak to that, but to say that. You know, it's that's that that's going to be a hard one to mm-hmm. uh, hard one to lick uh, is the, um, the, you know, those gen- genetic markers that uh, just kind of predispose you uh, to some sorts of things. But again, that goes back to those those new drugs that are coming out that are slowing the progression of the disease. And we've got statistics that say, you know, over the age of 65, you know, your risk of contracting you know, of, of having some type of cognitive impairment grows exponentially as you get older and and we do a graphic called you know aging or alzheimer's kind of thing just to kind of show what the what the differences are and so you know it's a a dementia and alzheimer's are 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 big words and to 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 say that to somebody who's in their 60s is one thing but to say that about somebody who's in their 80s or 90s it's a little different Mm -hmm. um uh, and so, uh, kind of what, you know, uh, what, what Dr. Shelf mentioned there about, you know, if she'd have, you know, got in her, in her eighties or nineties, that's, that's a, that's a much different, um, uh, there's a much different setup there. And it might have, you know, the, the lifestyle changes and sleep may have, uh, may have led her to, uh, to stave that off until then. So, um, I think that's kind of the point we're at is, is, uh, uh, using those drugs in combination with lifestyle changes to, to help stave it off as long as possible. Dr. Rebecca, you chose to change your lifestyle. Um, for the listening audience, can you talk about what that involved? I know you took up a, a painting and you reduced your daily stress by changing your jobs um, uh, responsibility. So would you do you mind talking about your lifestyle change and and how that impacted you? Sure. Um you know, living well, as John said, uh, doing all the things we should helped me tremendously. So one was diet. Um, I follow a version of the Mediterranean diet. Mm-hmm. You can Google that. Um, it basically avoids processed foods. So, you know, that was kind of tough, folks. I had to give up ice cream, and I love yeah. ice cream. <laughs> I mean, really love ice cream. Ice cream is my happiest memories from when I was a teeny little kid with my dad and grandpa. But you give up processed foods and you eat, you know, more salads, more vegetables. But you know what I have found out? I love Indian food, lentils, beans. Indian food is so healthy. Fish, there's so many ways to eat healthy. But I do avoid fast foods and processed foods. So diet's very important. And I eat blueberries and walnuts and all the Mm -hmm. food good for my brain. I'm a big believer in exercise. And, you know, there are technical reasons exercise, the right kind of exercise is really good for your brain. Um, So I got a puppy. I use that as an excuse when I was (laughs) diagnosed to get a puppy i had never had a puppy i always had older rescue dogs and i got a very active puppy he's darling he's a pomsky he looks like a mini husky Mm -hmm. and we walk an hour in the morning and then an hour the rest of the day so about two hours a day and sometimes we jog cardio is very good 
And then I uh, do some weights, some weight training. And also I dance. Um, any kind of dancing is good, even if you just dance around the house when no one can see you. Mm -hmm. You can dance with those grandparents that um, might mm -hmm. be showing signs of cognitive decline. So exercise is good. Creativity, painting, music, um, gardening, woodworking. And there's a study that shows even doodling. It works other parts of your brain and can create new ways for the brain cells to connect. So, you know, just think about even playing games like tic-tac-toe or something mm -hmm. creative and doodle on the side. Uh, social engagement is really important. That's why I encourage you teens to socially engage uh, with your grandparents or others you worry about might be showing you cognitive decline. So I was very socially engaged at work, but had to stop work. So now I do book clubs. I see my friends. I uh, I go to church um, or, um, you know, some kind of spiritual organization. Mine is pretty small, so it's easy for me um, to uh you know, not feel overwhelmed. Um, and that's another thing you could do with grandma or grandpa, uh, take them to church or to, a, you know, a woman's book club or something. Um, so the lifestyle engagement I do now, I love, I, mm. I, I may be happier than I ever have been. I have great fun. I do miss my independence of my driving, mm -hmm. but I enjoy my I think the key is you got to find what you love. I have food that I love. I have exercise that I love. I have friends that I love. And I love my painting, though. Yeah, it's not very good, but that's okay. I love doing it. <laughs> okay. Any comments you want to add there to that, John? No, I mean, I think, you know, uh, uh, she said it best. Mm -hmm. and um, But, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the, a lot of, We've got locally Florida State University uh, does a, has a dance and, and art therapy uh, program uh, that they're training students in uh, to provide just, you know, just this, these kinds of things uh, that are so helpful to the population. And, you know, if you think about you know, and there's a, a far more scientific explanation than this, but uh, essentially what dementia is, is. Uh, a reduction of blood flow to the brain because those arteries get plaque in them. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you think about the more you're using your brain doodling or doing those things that Dr. Shop mentioned, um, that's, you know, kind of, it keeps the flow going. And, and, you know, when some of these drugs are, you know, they're, what they're trying to do is knock out some of that plaque or, or figure out ways to get around it. If you think about, you know, kind of like a heart, you know, they have bypasses and things like that, not necessarily equating the two, but the same concept and that, you know, the more you can use your brain and what happens a lot of times is people retire and they're done with work and they don't have anything to do. You know, they don't have anything to get them up in the morning. And so finding those passions and finding those things, um, you know, as, as previously mentioned, is, is what's going to keep you going. The moment you stop and that mm -hmm. things slow down, it gives more opportunity for that for that stuff to to to, to build up. 
Um, it's almost time for us to take a break, but I think we'll address this when we come back, and I think we've indirectly addressed it already, and is that that's really how we reduce the risk for Alzheimer's. Um, you're tuned in to 411-TEEN. I'm Dr. Liz Hollyfield. We're going to take a brief break, but we'll get right back at you. Views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and contributors, and not necessarily those of WFSU Public Media. Just tuning in, the program is 411-TEEN, and this hour we are addressing Alzheimer's disease. Um, Before we went on break, I was just mentioning if you... John or Dr. Rebecca have any suggestions about information uh, concerning how one reduces the risk for Alzheimer's. And Dr. Rebecca, I think you touched on a lot of them because when you do research and find out what's happening, they'll say healthy diet, exercise. You know, they often mention blood pressure management. And I didn't know if you had any other um, insights as far as how one can reduce their risk for Alzheimer's? Well, I, you know, I think that's, uh, you're right. Uh, diet, exercise, regular exercise, creativity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, start now in your teens or in your 40s, getting, picking a hobby that's creative, social engagement, uh, intellectual engagement, challenge yourself, uh, learn a new language, uh, learn something, something new, whatever. For me, it for me, it was painting. I combined mm. those two. And I keep trying to learn new things. I, I do want to use this as an opportunity to uh, uh, not only say to teens uh, that please start all this right now. I know you hear that. But second, parents, because we know that Alzheimer's actually starts developing about 20 years before the symptoms show. So uh, people in their 40s or 50s ought to really adopt a brain-healthy, health, heart-healthy lifestyle and start doing all these things. It may not prevent Alzheimer's. But again, like I said earlier, it may mean that you get it in your 80s or 90s instead of your 60s mm-hmm. or 70s. But I do want to make one other note about prevention. Um, I'm going to use a technical technical term. I I just like to say comorbidities. Isn't that a fun term? Comorbidities. (laughs) It means things like obesity, alcoholism, smoking, uh, things that affect your general health. All of those things are highly correlated with Alzheimer's. So if you or your parents or your grandparents have any comorbidities, uh, please address those. John, we've been talking about the Alzheimer's Project. Will you please, at this time, share the contact information to the listening audience of, you know, where you all are, how they can call you here in in Tallahassee, Florida, and, again, some of the services that you provide? Uh, Certainly. Our (laughs) website is alzheimersproject.org or forthecaregiver.org. 
uh, and our telephone number is 850-386-2778. And the services that we provide, we you know, aim at the caregivers, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Good. the uh, we do provide respite care, which is where you come and you drop your loved one off with us uh, for six hours a day. Uh, it, they get the art therapy and the music therapy and all those, you know, those good sensory and cognitive uh, uh, stimulate stimula- simulation mm-hmm. uh, activities that I mentioned earlier. Uh, but the caregiver gets a break, and that was one of the points I was going to mention earlier. Is about you know when you're talking about preventing Alzheimer's, caregiver attention because they you know all those things that we talk about socializing and uh, and eating right and and uh, engaging the brain and all of those things uh, they get lost mm-hmm. uh, when you're. Becoming a, when people full time caregiver, it's easy just to stay home and kind of withdraw, uh, which is is not what you want to do uh, because we have, you know, there is evidence that shows that 20% of caregivers will pass before the person they're caring for because they neglect their own health. Uh, they neglect to, to, to eat the right diet and to pra- practice a good lifestyle because they're so focused on, on providing that care. So, our respite rooms help them with that. It gives them the day off. Go do grocery shopping. Go to your own doctor's appointments. We have uh, some folks that'll get together and go do a yoga class together. Um, you know, they'll 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 take that time to really uh, work on themselves, uh, and that's our respite program. But then our counseling program and our support groups. Uh, talking to someone that's had the experience in a support group is we've got the we've got the the the, the uh, feedback that that shows us that it helps uh, it relieve it it doesn't relieve the burden it, it lessens it and, and helps people understand it and put it in context and gives them a a, a way to work through it um, and the counseling obviously a chance to process what they're going through and a chance to get those feelings out because those feelings are are so real and mm-hmm. you, you know it, it's very different than what other folks might be going through uh, so the, the counseling and then the education. Uh, we, we offer education classes like powerful tools for caregivers, which teaches someone, you know, not how to be a caregiver in the sense of how to administer certain procedures or things like that, but how to work through when your loved one is in crisis, how to work through your own personal uh, uh, you know, lifestyle and, and, and trying to be able to care for yourself while you're caring for someone else. Uh, that's one of the uh, the classes that we offer, and of course, I mentioned the our early stage group mm-hmm. uh, earlier in our conversation. So, uh, things like that are, are are what we're doing to to help, and really just being a, a community resource and and being able to refer people to our senior center, which provides great activities, and you can learn those languages, and you can do those cooking classes, and and you can learn about travel and all these interesting things, and socialize, and it's at no charge. Uh, or very little charge, any anyway, because the senior center is uh, is our uh, uh, you know city, uh, our city government provides that for us, mm-hmm. um, and resources to physicians and to memory disorder clinics and and resources around how to talk about this issue with the family, um, yes. and and acceptance of diagnosis and and understanding what the family units job now is when this uh uh you know when the when the diagnosis comes um so the services like that that we have and i mentioned earlier tallahassee memorial memory Disorder, uh, D- disorder clinic 
the Florida State statute provides for these clinics in each of the designated um, pu uh, public service areas. So I believe we've got 16 in the state of Florida um, of these memory disorder clinics that are state funded and they're always there and they're encouraging people to go uh, to these places, get those screenings and, 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 and get those steps and, and take steps towards that cognitive health um, and, and, you know, getting ahead, getting on that ahead of time, or, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the earlier you can do it, the better. Um, uh, but, but taking advantage of the resources in our community. And we're, uh, mm -hmm. I, I say we're blessed because we're in Florida because mm -hmm. of our older population, our department of elder affairs is paying attention to things like Alzheimer's and really trying to, to, to put resources out there, uh, to help, uh, to, to help us with that. Well, it's good to hear all of the resources you have. I particularly was interested in how you address um, the issues with with the caregivers and the families, because I find that the families have such a difficult time. Many many are are in denial, um, and just say, "Oh, well, you know, they're just aging; they're okay." And at what point would you? Dr. Rebecca and John recommend someone have a thorough assessment or evaluation. Um, is that something that physicians do on a regular basis, even if they're, you know, the primary care physician, will they do that? Or does the family need to seek out a professional to assess their loved one? Well, uh, you know, I'll... Oh, go ahead, John. Oh, go ahead, Dr. Shop. No, you go first <laughs> this time. All right. I, I, well, I'll just say, just from you know our perspective, we we see it. You know, there's there's breaks along cultural lines here. There's mm -hmm. there's all kinds of of you know uh, of statistics that kind of show us that you know those with advanced degrees or more education are more likely to 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 pick up on this earlier because they're the ones that are going to their um, you know, having regular checkups with their physicians and, and are attuned to this stuff. Um, but at the same time, I, that, that's not true. We still have a long way to go with our medical community um, in addressing this, uh, addressing Alzheimer's and dementia and the uh, doing just what you're saying, giving somebody a, um, you know, a, a encouragement to go and get that uh, that cognitive ability test, or taking the, you know, you mentioned the I think the Kia test, and there's mm -hmm. a Mocha test, but doing some of those initial memory screenings, um, because it's you know it 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 may not you know as much as we're checking the the the, the heart and we're checking for obesity, you know, the, all of these other things that come up in those uh, in those annual checkups, the cognitive piece may not be addressed in in, in mm -hmm. some situations, and so it's um you know it, there's some some work we've got to do on that end and we've you know tried to, the legislature's tried to do their part and and uh encouraging and and you know we start out with mandating it and then always kind of backs down to well we'll we'll encourage it or suggest or uh, offer trainings for um the you know the nurses and physicians assistants and the physicians themselves around this stuff because you know you can get a referral to a neurologist, but depending on your community, that may be six months from now. Um, you know, just the, the, the availability of those specialists are, are a lot tougher 
uh, than if we can catch it at the primary care level. And so getting your regular checkups with your doctors, again, like lifestyle, it's a good idea anyway, mm-hmm. but add this to the list. You know, it's not, we're not just trying to fight chronic diseases here, such as, you know, heart disease and diabetes and things like that. This is, you know, add this to the list of, of things that you need to get checked out about. So you may have to push your physician and say, hey, I'm, I'm concerned about this, or I have a history of this, or I'm wondering about this. What can you do for me? And if you can't do something for me, who can? And it may be referral to a local resource like a memory disorder clinic. Um, Alzheimer's Association is doing a great job of, of they've got a brain bus that they'll take around to different community events where people get those memory screenings. And so, you know, it, it's kind of a it doesn't necessarily answer your question about, you know, when to go. Mm-hmm. But if you have the opportunity to go, certainly take it. Um, but the, but the when to go is, is, you know, as you're as you're doing those colonoscopies and as you're doing those things uh, for for healthy aging. Uh, just make this part of the routine uh, and don't take no for an answer. Dr. Rebecca, you had some comments you wanted to share. You know, John said it so well. Um, <laughs> I don't have anything to add. Usagainstdementia.com um, is another great resource. The Alzheimer's Association.com is, of course, the, the, uh, the largest organization, but us against, um, I, I'm sorry, it's us against Alzheimer's.com mm-hmm, okay. has some on has some online uh, brain testing too. I wouldn't, you know, take that as a scientific doctor approved mm. test, but it can help. I would underscore John's notion: you may have to really push your doctor. Um, I have a relative, Alzheimer's runs in my family. We do not have the gene, but it runs. Both my grandmothers and my mother had it. And I have a sibling who asked to be tested, given that now her grandmothers, her mother, and her sister has it. And the doctor said, oh, there's nothing wrong Mm. with you. And that's, you know, again, we're we're working, the Alzheimer's Association, I'm on the national board, we're going to work a lot in the next coming year with primary care uh, physicians. Uh, And the biomarkers will be such a game changer. But push if you need to. It's okay. Well, you all have anticipated my questions I was going to ask you, Dr. Shop. What is happening at the National Alzheimer's Association? I know you're working very closely with them. Is there anything else you want to add to that. And also wanted to ask you about, what was it, the Mortgage Foundation? I think it was founded in 2008. And I was going to, wanted to ask you about that that too, before we close. The Alzheimer's Association is a fabulous organization. And uh, right now we're focusing on, it's the era of treatment. Mm -hmm. So again, educating physicians and everyone about biomarkers, the treatments, lifestyle. And we're also pushing for community engagement. You know, John mentioned every community is different. We know that African-Americans who experience two times the rate of Alzheimer's, Latinos uh, who experience one and a half times uh, the rate of Alzheimer's as as standard white populations and others, rural, urban, highly educated, et cetera, all have somewhat different experiences and they need different approaches. So we want you, teens and families, to get engaged. Um, 
There's a wonderful walk to end Alzheimer's somewhere in your community. You, It's a great rally and you raise funds, but there are so many ways to volunteer. So we're asking you to be involved. Let me conclude with the mortgage, or let me say about the Mortgage Foundation. It is a local foundation in Denver okay. that seeks community impact. And they funded the publication of my book that will be out in on February 27th, Still Me, mm -hmm. Accepting Alzheimer's Without Losing Yourself. And you can pre-order it on Amazon or my website, www.rebeccachopenterprise.com. And the Mortgage Foundation really wanted to help get the word out, exactly the word that John oh. and you and I have been talking about, about what you can do, um, how to treat people with Alzheimer's, et cetera. So um, they helped fund my book, well, which John, is coming out soon. Okay. John, before we close in this last yes, minute, are there any volunteer opportunities that exist at the Alzheimer's Project? And if so, you know, who do they contact? Where do they get this info from? Uh, there are opportunities. In fact, uh, you know, our respite rooms really... You know, as we've got a couple paid staff there, but they run on the backs of our volunteers uh -huh. um, and, and they're so gracious to do that. So we have volunteer opportunities in our respite room. Uh, we also have a AmeriCorps program, um, which, you know, you can you can uh, AmeriCorps is a national service organization really aimed at, at college kids where you can get a you get a little bit of a stipend and you get an educational award for completing so many hours. But those AmeriCorps member volunteers that we have um provide in-home respite to our clients. And uh, they're aimed at the um, uh, veterans and, and military families, um, you know, even loosely connected, you know, aunt, uncle, cousin type stuff. Like we want to get people in uh, because what they'll do is they come sit with the person living with the disease uh, while a caregiver can, can, can get a break and they come into the home. So it relieves the, the, the challenge of maybe trying to get that person out mm, and about okay. uh, they can, they can come That's in great. and it's, and it's a young person, so it's intergenerational. It's awesome. So give us a call at 850-386-2778 or email us at uh, – you can email our volunteer coordinator, Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, at alzheimersproject.org. Well, thank you both. I mean, the information you have shared has been invaluable. Um, but it's time out for this edition of 411 Teen. I've been talking with Dr. Rebecca Chop, Alzheimer's patient, and John Trombetta, Executive Director of Alzheimer's Project in Tallahassee. To my listening audience, much appreciation for your time and ear. Tune in next week, same time, same place, to get the 411 on 411 Teen. 411 Teen was produced by Dr. Liz Hollyfield. Technical assistance was provided by Evan Rossi. If you would like to participate in the 411 team or have suggestions for discussion topics, call 850-645-7200. You can listen to previous episodes of 411 team at wfsu.org.